verses 11 to 32. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. This is a famous parable of the prodigal son, which was given to the scribes and Pharisees when they were complaining about Jesus Christ eating with the sinners and prostitutes. So we read Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and he will say to him, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that, that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Chapter 4, 
Jonah chapter 4, if you are using the Bibles in your pew, is on page 984. Jonah chapter 4, starting from verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for that plant? And he said, Yes, I do, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity that, the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? So far. After the sermon, we'll respond by singing hymn 82. congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're now finally on chapter 4, the final chapter of Jonah. It's been a while, so let me give you a bit, a bit of a review of how, what the book of Jonah looked like. Chapter 1 and 2 focus on the prophet Jonah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach against it, but he refused to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he was thrown into the sea in chapter 2. He almost drowns. He ends up in the belly of the fish, spends three days and three nights in there. In chapter 3, God sends him back to Nineveh. And Nineveh, after hearing what Jonah says, repents. And the Lord relents from destroying them. And in chapter 4, the focus is back on Jonah. And Jonah's reaction against what God did for Nineveh is recorded in this chapter. 
And I don't know if you remember how I started chapter 1 and 2, but it was something like this. I asked that we would identify ourselves with Jonah, and I would want to start chapter 4 in the same way. So even in chapter 4, let's try to see ourselves in Jonah. And let me help you by asking this question. Is anyone in this congregation angry that the Lord shows mercy to the lost? This is a crucial question in this chapter because that is how Jonah is. He's angry that the Lord showed mercy to Nineveh, the compassion to Nineveh. And how the chapter goes is that the Lord teaches him a lesson to address that specific attitude. So repeat the question again. Is anyone angry that God shows mercy and compassion to the lost? Hopefully your answer is no. In fact, it might be difficult to identify, identify with Jonah. More likely, you're, you can't believe what's going on in this chapter. What Jonah is showing is not normal behavior. You're probably wondering, how can Jonah talk back to God like that? He's overreacting. and I can never see myself talking to God like that. But the more I think about Jonah... At least when it comes to his anger and, and what he's feeling and fr- frustration, I sympathize with Jonah. At least what he's feeling makes sense. It's logical and reasonable. And I'll be surprised if that's not how you feel as well. So I'll encourage you in this sermon too. Recognize the sinful nature that you have in yourselves by looking at Jonah and receive God's solution. And that brings us to the theme and points. The theme for the sermon is the Lord defends his compassion to the lost. We'll consider two points. In the first point, we will see the Lord's right to compassion challenged by Jonah. And in the second, we'll see God's right to compassion explained to Jonah. So let's begin with the first point. The passage starts with Jonah challenging God's compassion on Nineveh. In verse 1, we read, It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. It, the thing that displeased Jonah is what happened in the previous chapter. As I've, as I've said in the last chapter, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. He proclaimed God's judgment against Nineveh. Nineveh miraculously repents from that. Then God relents from destroying Nineveh. And that is what made Jonah exceedingly angry, and he is displeased. Then in his anger, Jonah gives God some attitude. He's In verse 2, which is recorded as as a prayer, ironically, he says, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. You can imagine the tone of his voice. I told you this is what's going to happen. 
And then what's worse is then he proceeds to complain about who God is. He says, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, a relenting from disaster. And contrast that to what we heard is the call to worship. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses listed all God's attributes almost exactly in the same way. And there, seeing and listing God's attributes, Moses fell to worship in awe of God. And here is Jonah using exactly the same words, complaining about who God is. This shows that Jonah knew God well, which almost makes you wonder, is that why, Jonah, you are abusing God's mercy like that? And what's, what's shocking, Jonah's shocking response continues. In verse 3, we read, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And two chapters ago, when Jonah was delivered from drowning and when he was delivered from being in the belly of the fish, he praised God and he said, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. And now he's saying, so angry. I don't want to live. Just kill me now. Why is Jonah so angry? Jonah had reasons to be angry. Nineveh was an important city to an enemy empire, Assyria. They were a brutal nation, killing and torturing people in nauseating ways. And the kingdom of Israel was paying taxes to Assyria. I've previously compared Nineveh and Assyria to North Korea. And it would be better for such a city to be destroyed. That is the case, even though in chapter 3, when, even though in chapter 3 the people of Nineveh repented from their sins. Right? Yes, they've repented, but it's not as if the people they've killed and the damage that they've done will be undone. The people they've killed will not come back to life because they repented. They continue to be a threat to Israel, the people of God. So as far as Jonah can tell, God can't just forgive Nineveh. That's why he's angry. And you might still wonder, this might be some, isn't this still exaggerated? What we need to remember is that Jonah is not a fictional character. He is a real, he was a real human being. He's a historical person. He's a human being just like you and me. And we could ask, what would make someone react like this towards God? Knowing how brutal the ancient world was and how brutal war can be, the immorality that happens in war makes me suspect and ask, what if, what if the Assyrians did something atrocious to Jonah, something humanly unforgivable to Jonah or his loved ones? And something like that is not stated explicitly, but if that's the case, that would make sense of how Jonah is reacting of his anger and disapproval and challenging God's mercy. It'll make us understand 
a little bit of how Jonah is reacting. Surprisingly, then God asked Jonah whether he has the right to be angry. Despite what happened, he asked in verse 4, Do you do well to be angry? This is the crux of this passage. What happens in the rest of the passage is help God helping Jonah to address, to answer this question. In congregation, our Lord calls us to struggle with the same question. Nineveh doesn't exist anymore, but the spirit of the question is this. As I've asked in the beginning, do you do well to be angry when God shows mercy to the lost? I said we, we should, I said we should try to see ourselves in Jonah. Before we make the jump from Jonah to us, we need to realize that, that we are, that we share in the anointing of Christ. We're not like pro- a prophet like Jonah. We have a, a, a prophetic anointing as we share in Jesus Christ. So when this question comes to us, it comes through Jesus Christ. God asks Jonah, Do you, are you, is it right for you to be angry that I'm showing mercy to Nineveh? But when it comes to us, a more demanding question is being asked. Can you guess what kind of attitude is expected or demanded from us when the lost repents? The New Testament helps us to answer this question. The Gospel of Luke, when Jesus ate with the tax collectors and sinners, the Pharisees and scribes were not really impressed with that to address that attitude that Jesus gives at least three parables in a row. The first is the parable of the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one lost sheep. The second parable is, is the, the story of the woman looking for a lost coin and finding it. And the third parable is what we read for the reading, the, prod, the parable of the prodigal son. So God asked Jonah, why are you angry? Do you have the right to be angry? when I show more mercy to Nineveh. Can you guess what is expected? What's the attitude that's expected from us when the lost comes back to the Lord? Joy and celebration. God asked Jonah, why aren't you, ce- why aren't you, why are you angry? But to us, Christ asked, why are you not celebrating? That's more demanding top of that, Jonah had to put up with the repentance of an evil city that was far away from home. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, when God shows compassion on the repentant, they become part of our church. They become our family. That's how God's mercy in the New Covenant looks like in our time. Maybe some of you might think that's wonderful. Or perhaps some of you might be weary because it takes more responsibility sounds like more responsibility let's think about how god's mercy works in the new covenant and let me help you with the parable of the prodigal son because i see a lot of similarities between how jonah is reacting and how the elder son in the parable of the prodigal son is reacting they're both angry at god because he showed compassion to the lost 
Let's, let's think about the reaction of the older brother. His younger brother, the prodigal son, walked out of his family. And imagine how that betrayal would have looked like, how, how it would have felt like. Even in practical aspects, he walked, the, the younger brother walked out and he neglects all the responsibility of the family business. And now all the responsibilities falls on his shoulder, on the older brother's shoulder. And the older brother gets to see his father suffer as the father longs for the younger brother. And it's not as if the younger brother left for any noble cause. The prodigal son wasted all his inheritance on prostitutes. Like he's an embarrassment to the family. Imagine how every family gathering would feel like the feast, the regular feast, for example. Imagine having to put up with all the gossip that goes around in the town because of this prodigal son. Then this prodigal younger brother comes back and the father receives him as his son again. And after all that he has done to the family, a fattened calf is killed, a party is being held. And that is with the older brother's inheritance because the younger brother wasted all his inheritance. Now, how the older brother reacts is not an exaggeration. It's not abnormal. It's realistic. Perhaps you can identify with the older brother. Perhaps you are angry at God because he shows mercy to the lost. Perhaps it's expressed in your life in a way that, that you are withholding forgiveness someone who has asked for forgiveness, someone who has repented. Perhaps that person hurt you deeply, and after what he has done to you or your loved one, you just cannot find in yourself the heart to forgive. Or what about a brother or sister who comes from outside, was also lost, but repents and comes to our church? Perhaps he's a victim because he's done that to himself. Nevertheless, I would guess his life would be broken because he's been separated, he's lived a life separated from God and repents and comes into our church. He's still struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And part of it is due to the way he chose to live. And if he struggles, of this fault, that's fair. That's the consequence of those things. Now, because God shows mercy, He's supposed to receive compassion to the communion of saints. And you have to bear His burden. You still have your own work, you still have your own children to deal with. Now you have to share your possessions, your property, your energy. Does that make you happy? Do you rejoice and celebrate? Or are you irritated? And if 
so do you do well to be angry? Jonah does not answer that question. He holds on to his anger. He's still hoping that God would stick to his original plan. show mercy to people like Nineveh who injure us, who does us wrong, can't you see that it's not worth living for the children? Are we waiting outside the city? I hope you will make the right choice. That's why, even after God asked that question, do you do well to be angry? In verse 5, he goes outside, makes a booth, and sits at the, at outside of the city to see what will happen to the city. It's not Jonah, I mean, it's not God who has to change his mind, it's Jonah. So God will teach Jonah how it is right for him to have his plan. He's going to use a plant for this lesson. In verse 6, God appoints a plant to grow and provide shade for Jonah. And note that in verse Jonah is exceedingly glad because of this plan. Sadly for Jonah, in chapter 1, verse 7, God appoints a worm and the plant withers. On top of that, in verse 8, God appoints a scorching east wind and the sun beats down on him. And Jonah seems to be having a heat stroke. We read in verse 8. Do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Well, Jonah is clearly expressing that he is angry. But his answer is not very helpful, is it? He still doesn't really answer the question. Is he right to be angry about God destroying the planet? 
Zuma says that he is right. But he doesn't give a reason for it. It's a classic case of raising the voice and being angry when there is no good ground for it. It's just being a bit louder, hoping that that would make him right. Maybe Zuma thought. is this. He defines justice like this. Justice is helping your friends and harming your neighbors. I'm sorry. Harming your enemies. Helping your friends and harming your enemies. That sounds good, doesn't it? This is the normal way we think about things. Even at the time of Jesus, this position was so common that Christ deals with it. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is normal. Of course, Jonah is angry for God destroying the plant. Jonah lost something that made him extremely happy. And he is furious. But then the Lord makes this situation into a teaching moment Jonah's care for the plant is an important aspect, an element in God's explanation. He says in jo to Jonah in verse 10, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Right, he's going to make a comparison between the care that Jonah has for the plant and the care that he has for its creation. But when he does that, What's interesting is that he doesn't use Jonah's framework. God does not go on explaining what benefits Jonah would receive or what harm happens to Jonah. He's not going to make a point proving how saving Nineveh was actually beneficial for Jonah or how the plant dying is somehow beneficial for Jonah. I'm sure it was because all things work together for the good of those who love him. But God could have done that, but he does not do that. Instead, he invites Jonah into his own heart. He invites Jonah to take a look at the situation through his eyes, through the eyes of the creator, through the eyes of the father of the universe. That's why the Lord says, you pity the plant, and continues in verse 11, and should not I pity? That, that's the comparison. Right? Should not I pity that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Surprisingly, this is how the chapter ends. Not only this chapter, 
this is how the entire book ends. It's an abrupt ending. What the Lord is doing is beyond commanding us to show compassion to the lost. That's included. What is it that makes you exceedingly glad in this life? Something that you will be furious if you lose it. Right? Then God says, if you care so much about that plant, whatever you have, right? whatever you, how about what, uh, what, what about the care that I have for creation? Perhaps you might resist. What Jonah received, that plant, grew up in the night and disappeared. Like you have more, you feel more justified being attached to the things that you have because you work for it. But the Lord still asks you what do you have that you have not received. Jonah, he did not work for it. Whatever we love in this world, we all receive from the Lord. And then God says, if you care so much about those things, He does this in a way, in a surprising way. Because the problem is, is, is that we don't have the care for it. It's a hard issue. It's not that we didn't know that we're supposed to have compassion on the lost. The problem is that we don't care if we're honest with ourselves. And with this abrupt ending, God is going to pour show us what what his care looks like for his creation and that's what the lord is doing with this abrupt ending and there's a well-known quote by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry the author of the french work translated into english as the little prince and here's the quote if you want to build a ship don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. So instead of God commanding Jonah and us to, you should care, saying you should care for the lost, he's going to say, see how much I care for my creation, for the lost, so that we may have that longing as well. God is saying, that he cares about him in vain. He's asking, why are you Jonah, my servant, my prophet, not
like Jonah who was frustrated and had lost any care for the audience that he was supposed to call to repentance because of a huge choice. Christ, in comparison, as he was suffering on the cross with all the thirst, all the pain that he went through, and suffering God's wrath, he still had a heart for his creation, for those who are lost, and says, Father, forgive them they know not what they do. Although, although Jonah was upset that God took away the plan, destroyed the plan, Christ willing, willingly gave up all the riches that he had, all the comforts that he had in heaven and came down for us. And for us, Christ exactly knew what was going to happen to him, the insults that he had to put up with. He knew that he was going to be disgraced for the unjust trial. He knew that he would be condemned on the death on the cross and still be king. And after, even after he suffered such a death, unlike Jonah who went outside the city to see what would happen to the city, Christ goes back into the city to proclaim his forgiveness, the gospel. Share in his 